G'day, welcome to the Fasting Highway podcast. I'm Graham Curry, your host from Perth, Australia. I lost 60 kilos or 132 pounds living an intermittent fasting lifestyle, and I successfully maintained that weight loss now, coming up two years. I wanted to bring this series of podcasts to you to give you an insight into what it's like to living an intermittent fasting lifestyle. I'm also the author of the book, The Fasting Highway, which is a story of my journey overcoming chronic addiction to fast food and sugar and taking that walk from morbid obesity to normality. So sit back here with us on the Fasting Highway in the next few weeks and listen to some inspiring guests and some experts in the intermittent fasting community. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the show. G'day and welcome to the Fasting Highway podcast and this is episode 72. So today I'm delighted to be talking to Leslie Johnson and Leslie is 61 years old and hails from the UK and Leslie has suffered from obesity most of her life and by the age of 10 she'd already reached 140 pounds or 73.5 kilos and then Leslie went on to have a lot of struggles throughout her life with weight and she's here to tell us all about that today and share her journey with us. So welcome to the podcast, Leslie. Oh, g'day, Leslie, and thank you for joining me here on the Fasting Highway. It's such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you, Graham. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, my pleasure. So, Leslie, I know that you're a moderator of my Facebook group, the Fasting Highway, which we're all very grateful for. But we also know that you have a fantastic story. So, for those people out there that may not know you, if you wouldn't mind running over a bit of your backstory and any issues in your life you had with weight and health and that sort of thing, and, and just bring us to the point of when you started intermittent fasting. Okay. Um, well, it's a long story. Um, when I was born, I was a totally average weight, and apparently I was a very fretful baby. And I was fed a lot. And there's pictures of me at three months old and I was huge. And that seemed to be the way of my childhood. At four, I was four stone, which is about 60 pound. And at seven, I was seven stone. At nine, I was nine stone. And by the 60 standards, I was a big child. Um, I don't ever remember it bothering me. I was never bullied or anything. but. Um, when I got to about nine, I started to realise it, it was going to be a problem for me. Um, and when I was nine, I was also five foot two. So I was like a giant in the, at school. Everyone else was small and I was big and tall. Um, this went on really all my life till I was about 13. And when I was 13, um, I developed ulcerative colitis and it took uh, the doctors about five months to, dis- to actually decide what was wrong with me. And I went down to five stone, which I believe I've got this written down here is 70 pound or 32 kilo. Um, by the time I got out of hospital, I was seven stone, which is 98 pound or 45 kilo. Um, and I was put on to steroids, cortisone, to bulk me up. And then, and I did bulk up. And by the time I was 14, I was about 12 stone again. So I was about where I'd started off. And that's when I discovered dieting. Um, my mother had terrible issues with her weight. She was up and down a lot. 
my father was big as well, and they had high blood pressure. So my idea of a diet was to have 300 calories a day. Um, we're talking about 1974, 75. Um, I'd have a, a slice of toast for breakfast. I'd have a tin of low-calorie soup for lunch, an apple and sugar-free jelly. And I, I did that every summer for three years and I'd lose two stones. So that was my diet and that's what I perceived as a diet. And it did bring my weight down every year, but by the following summer, I would be back to the 13 stone mark. And I, uh, when I got to five foot two at nine, I never grew anymore. I was always five foot two. Um, so my weight was horrendous, really. It was up, down, up, down, up, down. Um, when I was 17, I left home. I, I was very unhappy at home. My mother was an alcoholic. She was all over the place. My dad was never there. Um, so I set out to do my own thing. I didn't really know much about nutrition at all. Um, I certainly didn't know anything about eating right, but I did learn to cook, which I enjoyed a lot. So at least I was eating good food. Um, when I was 17, I thought I was quite a good weight. I was about a size 14, a UK 14, which is a, a US 12. Um, but then because my hobby was cooking and the guy I was with at the time, his hobby was cooking, that weight crept up quite fast. And by the time I was 19, I was a, a UK 18, which is a US 14. Um, so I went on a diet. <laughs> You're going to hear me say that a lot. I went on a diet. Um, and over six months... I managed to get myself down to about 138 pounds. Um, not sure what that is in kilo, but it would it was just under the 10 star mark in in our UK. And that I, when I was writing all this and thinking about this story, I realised I was actually dirty fasting because what I used to do was have breakfast about 10 o'clock, and then I'd have a main meal about two. And then I'd have nothing again till the next day, which is really weird um, thinking about that now. But that's what I used to do and the weight came off. And I thought when I um, was 20, I was the best weight I will ever be in all my life. And I was about um, 138 pounds and like that, uh, which is just under the 10 stone. And I've actually got pictures of myself at that. And I thought I shall never, ever be that weight again. Um, which is a shame. And I wasn't until I started intermittent fasting. So um, the weight came on again, of course. By the time I was 21, I was big again. I got it off. The same old story. And I always got it off by doing this kind of fasting. I'd have two meals and then I wouldn't eat till the next day. Um, food choices were good. I'd, I've always ate reasonably well, but I've um, if I wasn't dieting, I was a grazer and I'd graze all day. Every hour I'd have to eat something. But the meals were good, but of course you put the weight on. Um, when I was about um, 30, 34, uh, I got ill and uh, I needed a, an emergency hysterectomy. And I was quite, I was a, quite fat then. Um, 14 stone in the UK 
and um, I w as soon as that was done with, I was fine. I, I got over the operation and I was put on HRT. I'd also, before previous to that, been taking um, infertility uh, tablets, something called Clo Co um, what's it called? I can't remember the name of it, but it makes you ovulate. So that messes with your weight as well. So if you think about it, I'd been on steroids, infertility, and HRT. So my hormones were all over the place. And to get to my peak weight, I was actually 40 and I was 320 pounds. Um, that's where I ended up, which I believe is 145 kilo. I didn't have any scales. Like someone else said, I had to go to the power stream at work to be weighed, which was a bit embarrassing. Um, and then three things happened within a month, and these three things really turned my life around. Um, I, in the UK at the time, I'm talking of 2000, you could only buy big-sized ladies' clothes in one shop, um, and that was a shop called Evans. And uh, I went in and tried the largest sized blouse on that they sold and I couldn't do it up. And so that was a big wake up call. I, I panicked. I thought, what am I going to do? Am I ever going to be able to buy clothes? Will I have to get them all made? And I worked in a financial institution, so I had to look reasonable. I couldn't turn up in rubbish. And then we went on a a flight to Cuba and coming back, I thought I'd done very well and got the bulkhead seats. Um, but what I'd forgotten was the table slides down the side of the seat, which makes the seat smaller, and I couldn't get in the seat. Um, never mind the extension seat belt, because I, I automatically always asked for that. Um, the plane was full, so I couldn't change my seat. I would have even paid to change my seat, but I couldn't, so I was literally jammed in his seat so uncomfortable for eight and a half hours that really played with my mind thinking why am I in this situation and then when we got home I just started a new job and all the big bosses had come up from London um to basically meet me and we went to this um restaurant and it was a booth type seating where the seats were actually fixed so you couldn't move them back. And for some reason, I'd gone in the middle of these seats and I couldn't even see my plate, never mind eat. I had to move my plate outwards every time I wanted to see what was on the plate because my stomach was so big I couldn't see my plate. It sounds funny, but it wasn't. It was horrendous. And I remember the three things happening so fast was a, such a wake-up call. Plus, I was in so much pain lugging all this weight around my back used to kill me and and I just it I just snapped one day and I thought I've got to do something I've really got to do something so I went on my diet um and that would have been a dirty fast I did used to drink uh, diet coke but two meals a day fairly close together then nothing till the next day and in 20 months I went I'd lost um, oh, over 11 stone, nearly 12 stone. So I went from uh, £320. I could have been more than that, but that was the last weight I had, right down to £144. And I'd done it all on my own. I was so focused. Um, I had some toenails fall out. It was that bad, but I got it off. Um, 
but <laughs> it came back on slowly and slowly. And in 2009, I just thought, well, I can never get back to that height, that weight again. So um, I decided to have a gastric bypass. And I, I, I paid for it because I thought if I get it for nothing, I just won't take it seriously. So I've got to pay for it. And it was a lot of money for me, but I did it. And my weight came down um, to the 73 kilo, which is a bit of a magic number for my body. It likes being 73 kilo. And uh, and it, for five years, I had to keep going back to the hospital. So I was very accountable and my weight stayed the same. But once the five years was up, um, a little bit started to creep on. It's very easy to come on. And um, and then um, COVID, of course, hit here last March. And I knew I would either lose weight or put a lot on. There would be no in-between measure for me. That's how stress affects me. I will either lose or put on. And a bit started to come on, and and I and we'd been on holiday previously, so I'd still got my holiday weight on, and I, I just thought I've got to do something here. And uh, I was on a a Facebook group with some friends, and I just said I'm so depressed because every every Monday I keep thinking I'm going to start dieting. Tomorrow. I'm going to start dieting Monday. I'm going to start dieting, and I do a couple of hours and I give in. And everyone was giving me suggestions. Oh, have you tried this? Have you tried that? And yes, yes, yes. I didn't fancy doing my low calorie, low fat because I just didn't think I could face it. And then two people all of a sudden said to me, have you ever done intermittent fasting? And I'd never even heard of intermittent fasting. This is last May. And then I thought, fasting? I know I can fast. Uh, I lived in North Africa for 10 years and I used to do Ramadan every year, so I'm good at fasting. And I was thinking of a dry fast because a Ramadan fast is a dry fast. You have absolutely nothing. And then when I looked into it and you could actually have fluid, you could have water, I thought, oh, that's going to be real easy. I really think I can do this. And that afternoon, I downloaded Delay Don't Deny onto my Kindle, and I started the very next day. Wow. That's quite some backstory. So a couple of things here really resonated with me. The um, situation on the aircraft, I can relate to that, and I've written about that and spoke <laughs> about that many times. And that was really the catalyst for the start of my journey in earnest when I got to the stage where I just couldn't fit in comfortably anymore, taking up half my wife's seat, and I thought enough's enough. And then also the restaurant booth that you mentioned, those embarrassing moments. And I think for an obese person, you talked about procrastination. And I think uh, procrastination is the biggest enemy of obese people because we're always going to start next week or next month or, or whatever it may be. And for some reason, we never do. But So I congratulate you on starting and finding a way to fasting. And you downloaded Delay Don't Deny by the New York Times bestselling author, Jim Stevens. So tell us, Lizzie, when you started fasting, what was your protocol and why did you actually go about choosing that? Well, reading Delay Don't Deny, I thought, well, I'll start with a 16-8. Um, it, it sounded horrendous. I was thinking, oh, 16 hours. Oh. And, um, and then the, I did the first day, which I believe was a Monday. And I thought, this is too easy. This, is, this isn't this is going to work. I'm not going to lose weight on this. It's far too easy. So the second day, I did 18.6. And I did two 18.6s. I did OMADs. I, I had a snack. And then about just before I was starting eating again, I'd have my main meal. 
And I did two days of 18.6 and then I went on 19.5. And that was a happy spot for me for quite a while, for about three weeks. And the way it was coming off nicely, I wasn't hungry. I did clock watch, which I didn't like, but I wasn't hungry. Um, and I could eat plenty within that five hours. So that was my main worry. Because I've had a gastric bypass, I just can't have too much at once. I say get hyperglycemia. So that was a worry. But I kind of got it in the situation where I knew I was okay. I was quite confident. Um, I was getting enough of what I needed to get in, nutrients, and, and I felt fine. I felt absolutely fine. The one funny thing I was remembering was um, the second day, which would have been my first 18.6, I remember going out in the car and at the end of where we live like in the countryside but when you get to the end of our road there's a quite a tricky junction and I remember waiting seeing waiting for the space to get out and thinking I wonder if I'm all right to drive while I'm fasting <laughs> which seems ridiculous now but that's what I was thinking. And so when you came to fasting you started with that 16 and 8 and we talk about some people hear that mantra, you can eat whatever you want in fasting. Tell us about your window. And you just mentioned there you'd had that gastric bypass and so you couldn't really eat a lot anyway. So just give us a sort of an idea of what your window was like. Were you eating all the things you craved or was it more of you were sort of still delaying something? Um, the first week was different because I hadn't planned to do this at all. I hadn't planned to fast. So my precious bread was still in the house and all my nibble nibbly things that I like to snack on were still here. So I must admit the first week, although I was clean fasting, I clean fasted from the very first day. Um, in my window, I was having things I wouldn't have now, but the weight was coming off. But once I'd gone shopping after the five days, I didn't buy any of those things. So uh, I don't eat all the things. For my personal preference, because I know I can only get so much in, although it's 12 years since I had a gastric bypass, I've got a, st a stomach staple. So that, you know, that's never going to be as big as a normal stomach. So I do, I've got it off to a T now, but in the beginning, I, I relied heavily on protein, um, which I thought was the best thing to do for me. And I felt good on it, you know, and I didn't really crave all them snacky things that I used to crave. It, it, for for me, intermittent fasting has been far too easy. I keep thinking I'm going to wake up and it's all been a dream and I'm back to my big self. It, it's just too easy for me. And I, I don't know why, because I'm not usually easy when I'm dieting. It's usually very hard work for me if I'm dieting. So intermittent fasting is definitely the thing for me. And I guess too, let's just recap back when you first started that first day or first week. Can you remember sort of what weight you were then? Yeah, exactly. I started at 170.5 pound, which I can't remember what that is in your, um, about 80 kilos, something like that. Yeah, 80 kilos, correct. Okay, so yeah. 80 um, kilos, you kicked off there and you'd already lost a bit of weight from your top weight there when you were over 300 at one stage, of course, during your life. And now you've moved into intermittent fasting. You started with the 16 and 8. And tell us about also, when we talk about OMAD, some people just get confused by that one meal a day. And some people just think, what, you only eat one plate of food a day. But for me, that means the restaurant-style type meal where I'll have an entree or a snack, is what we call it here, 
and then we'll have a sort of maybe a main and then if I feel like it I'll have some dessert maybe some berries and a bit of Greek yogurt or something and maybe cream in my coffee to close my window so that's generally how my OMAD went was that the sort of style you were doing or were you doing more of the one sort of play today no I was doing like you because it, I did want to do 23 one that was me initial goal but because of the bypass I was just getting hyperglycemia all the time so I just had to stop that and I eventually settled on 21.3 and that's what I tend to do now 21.3 it's a good time for me I am um, I was opening with a, 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 a snack size plate of protein eggs meat or fish or cheese something like that and then um, I have a portion of Greek yogurt with a very small coffee spoon of homemade jamming and that's what I usually start my day with and then two and a half to three and a half hours later I'll have my main meal which is always homemade protein heavy but it will have carbs in I don't avoid carbs but I try to make them carbs that are going to work for me rather than carbs that aren't I don't like processed foods so that's good Um, I've never drunk coffee with anything in I've always been a black coffee drinker um I don't drink tea I like water I, I did start the um sparkling plain mineral water which I've grown to love and I, I used to hate that so that's really nice I've gotten into that um but uh, but I eat plenty you know I, I purposely eat with my husband on a Saturday because I want him to see that I eat plenty and I do I can eat large quantities of food but I think for me, for my body, I have to make sure I get those nutrients in. So I am really careful and I do think about what I eat. But I do have chocolate now and then. I love chocolate. Um, that's about the only thing I will uh, have. We have alcohol on a Saturday. We have a bottle of wine between us. But that is, you know, that's about it for that. Leslie, we talk about the non-scale victories or the health benefits that come from intermittent fasting and our fasting lifestyle. Can you just run us through a few of those with your non-scale victories and the health benefits that have come your way? I certainly can. Um, When I started fasting, for eight years, I'd had a terrible pain in my left leg. It was, I'd had all sorts of tests done, scans, x-rays, and no one could kind of decide what was wrong with me. The initial thought was it, it was probably something to do with some previous surgery. Um, and I'd, I'd been taking tramadol, which is a an opioid painkiller for it, for a long time. Um, and I'd, I'd actually stopped the painkiller just before intermittent fasting because it was really messing with my mind a bit. Um, and I, I really cannot... People think I'm pretending, but the second day I noticed a difference. The second day I was taking my normal run-of-the-mill painkillers and I thought, oh, I think I'm going to delay those a bit. I don't think I need them. Um, And I didn't want to take them in my fasting window because all these things have got something in you shouldn't have. Um, And I can honestly say after three days that pain went and maybe – and it was disabilitating. I mean, I'd lie in bed at night with it. It would kill me. It, it was just like toothache in your leg. And um, and now if I get 10 minutes once a month of a throb in it, that's the only time I do get it. And considering I had it every day 
more or less continually for eight years. That was the biggest. If if not if intermittent fasting didn't bring me anything but that, because it did used to drive me wild with pain. So that was so brilliant. It was unbelievable. Um. Then there's loads of silly little things like scars. I had some scars on my face, and they just disappeared. Just one day, I just thought, oh, where's they gone? And then I've had uh, surgery, abdominal surgery, and you get little, they call them doggies, they're like little flaps of skin. They just disappeared one day, and I'd had those eight years. Um, I'm so full of energy and positive enthusiasm for life at the moment, which usually I used to be a bit on the depressive side. So that's such a welcome change. Everything's exciting and there's always something to do. And, and I love that about things. Um, I normally sleep really well. I do get the occasional night when I don't, but I've been sleeping very well. Um, I'm not taking any painkillers for anything, which is unbelievable. I feel younger, and I've been told I look younger. <laughs> um, I, I, because of the bypass, I, I have annual blood tests, which is quite unusual in the UK. We don't have these kind of things. Um, and the before us, the year be, the sorry, the February before I started intermittent fasting, I went for my annual blood tests, and there was two problems flagged up, and I'd never had a problem before. In it would have been eleven years then. The one was electrolyte imbalance and the other was thyroid, um, underactive thyroid. Um, so I had the annual retest of blood tests this year. So I'd been fasting from the May and this would have been the following February. And I'd actually rung the doctor up to ask for a blood test because of COVID. They're not doing things like that at the moment. And um, I explained to the doctor why I wanted them because it was a year since I'd had them and these two problems had shown. And I said, and also I've been intermittent fasting and I just want to check I've got it right. I feel fine. But, you know, if we do the blood test, I will know in my head that everything's all right. And the, and this doctor said to me, oh, my husband does intermittent fasting. That's the scientific way to lose weight. Everyone should do it that way. And I was just thrilled that she was on board because I was expecting, oh, what are you doing that for? Anyway, the blood test came back absolutely fine, and she actually rung me personally. And that they normally don't. The, the instructions you normally get are: if you don't hear anything, everything's fine. And she said, "Do what do what you were doing now, because you've corrected these problems all by yourself. Everything's come back absolutely fine. So don't worry about it." So that was really good news. Um, and then the silly things like. Buying the clothes, which we know, Graham, you like to do. <laughs> and and that's it, really. Like nails, teeth, hair, going crazy, growing like mad. Um, and I, I'm, I can honestly say I feel like I'm in my 30s and I'm 61. So that's Yeah, well, you good. certainly don't look 61, Leslie, that's for sure. Thank that's you. The first thing that struck <laughs> me when you come on screen there, and just for those that don't know, sometimes in the podcast I do it, do it by video just so we can connect with each other and then take the audio out later. But when I saw Leslie there, I thought, wow, we don't look 61 at all. You look like a woman maybe in her 30s or 40s. And um, I think that's yeah. quite incredible. And and those things that we talk about, the NSVs and the scarring, and the number of people I've talked to in this podcast about scarring, it's quite incredible. I mean, people that have had major accidents in their life and they've had these horrendous scars and all of a sudden they start fading or 
in some cases disappearing. And if you tell people that, they just think you're nuts. And it's things like when your eyesight improves and your hair is thicker and, and just all those little things that add up or those things that catch you in the non-scale victories we talk about. Now you'll be able to go into any restaurant you want. You don't have to fear that booth. You don't have to fear that airline seat. And I know you love to travel. So those are things that you've got to look forward to. So just run us through the stages of weight loss now from when you started intermittent fasting, you were getting down to sort of around that 80-odd kilo mark. Where are you at now, just coming up to a year later? Well, I look today, it's 220 days since I started fasting. I didn't. It doesn't seem that long. Um, I can't remember beforehand, really. So my weight today is 123 pounds. Um, my original goal was 150 pounds. I thought, oh, if I can get 150 pounds, that's a nice weight for me. And then I went, I thought, well, I'll, I'll push it on a bit. I'll go to 140 and I got to 140. And then I thought, well, 136 sounds nice. So I got to 136 and then 130. And at that stage, uh, my husband was going, oh, do you think you need to lose any more? And, um, but I'm only short. I'm only five foot two. Um, and then I'm at 123 now. When I got to 126, that was my goal. That was, you know, that's where I want to be. Um, but it, I'm not trying to lose weight. Um, but it is, I'm probably losing a pound a month. Not through doing anything in particular. I've, I've started walking thanks to your challenge. Um and that's I lost a pound last week, and I think that was basically because of that, because I'm not eating any less. Um, but I think I think it'll probably go down to 120 all by itself, my weight. Um, that's probably still the BMI is good. That's 22, but um, I think I've got a lot of extra skin on the top of my legs and the top of my arms, so I'm a bit low to go below 120 because. Um, I think it would look horrible. But I'm hoping eventually that will sort itself out. But we'll see. Yeah, I think it will. Um, we talk about that a lot, loose skin from a lot of weight loss. And obviously the body can only stretch so much and stretch back so much. And um, But I think over a period of time, and I know in my own case, I was quite lucky with loose skin, even though I lost a lot of weight, 60 kilos, 132 pounds. And I always sort of thought, man, I'm going to have a lot of loose skin. I'll see these horrific pictures of these people with all this loose skin. And, and because I'm so tall, six foot five, I didn't really have that problem. I had a little bit around my torso, but that sort of fasting went on. That tightened up. I had a little bit under my arms. That's tightening up now. And I find just by things like walking and exercising and swimming in the summer and that sort of thing, then every day fasting, you're like me, you found your set point probably now, Leslie, where you're sort of probably settling around roughly where you're going to be. And now you're just probably going to go into that maintenance frame of mind. But when did you get to that point in your intermittent fasting journey where you were absolutely convinced about intermittent fasting and you're also absolutely convinced that you were going to do this for the rest of your life? Very early on, to be quite honest with you. With that pain that I described earlier going and and me actually realising this has to be the intermittent fasting. I've had this for over eight years. It's dominated my life. I told a story on the um, on the group about we went to, to Nashville and I actually sat in a park and cried. The pain was so bad. And that's not like me because I don't wear my heart on, you know, on my sleeve. I'm quite keep all these things in and when I realized that pain had gone 
it couldn't have been anything else. It really couldn't. And I'd been to see so many doctors and had so many scans and everything that could possibly do without actually opening me up to find out was wrong. Um, it just couldn't. I just thought I'm going to have this the rest of my life. And that, as I said, by day three, that was that. I've never took a painkiller for it again. And, and it's nearly 11 months now. But I just found it so easy, Graham. I, I, I read on the group that people struggle and I, I feel for them because I feel a bit of a fraud. I have never struggled. Like now, my tummy's rumbling. It expects to eat in the next hour or so. Um, but I could go right through till tomorrow, really, if I wanted to. I have done it. Um, but no one knew straight away. And I'll never go back because I have actually found, it's took me all this time, but I've actually found the answer for me. And I feel good and I've had confirmation from the doctor I am well. Because I kept thinking, oh, there's got to be some, there's got to be something here that's not right. It, it's just too easy. I've got to be doing it wrong. Everyone else is struggling and... And it's never been a struggle. As long as you stick to the clean fast, that would be my recommendation. Don't try and be clever and think, oh, just sneak this in or that in. You've got to do that. That is the process. And if you can do that clean fast, and then when you eat, just don't go crazy. Think about what your body needs. If you If you want something and you're craving it, then yes, work it in. But... You've got to think logically. Think logically. You want to lose the weight. So do what the book says. Do what you've told everyone to do. Your book's great. It describes all the feelings about the negativity and everything. And just stick to your guns and, and it will it will work. I can't imagine anyone it won't work for. Well, actually, tom tomorrow's April the 12th and um, the UK's slightly coming out of lockdown shops will be open which will be fabulous but because i don't actually get my second injection till may i probably won't be going out much i'm a carer for my father um he's 82 um but he's had his second injection now so i feel a lot more confident i'm not actually going to take him anything that he doesn't need to catch um i have drip fed a few photographs on facebook to friends and family so that it's not too much of a shock for them and um, i've never seen myself this thin before so they definitely haven't um and that when i first i am looking forward to getting back out but i am apprehensive um i'm not in a rush to be quite honest with you but i am in a rush to get to Clara's shop so that will force me out <laughs> yeah it's a lot of fun and I've, you've heard me talk about that numerous times in the podcast and just being able to walk into any shop you want and picking one out. And I can't imagine what that's like for a lady because for ladies, the, the, the sort of variety and the amount of clothing and the amount of clothing shops far outweighs that what men can go into. And, and I think you guys have such a great choice and it must be so freeing to be able to just look at all the catalogs and look at the beautiful clothes. And I know as a man going into some beautiful suit shops and that sort of thing and and you've heard me talk about, too, about the money savings of intermittent fasting, which for me have been non-existent because I've blown it all on clothes and new shoes. And because you walk in somewhere and you pick up a nice jacket and you put it on, and it actually fits. And you go, wow, you know what? I can wear this. And my wife always says to me, you've got more jackets than anybody I know. And I always say, well, you can never have too many jackets when you can actually rock them and get out there and wear them and feel good about yourself. And I think that's part of the journey yeah. as well. 
that you actually start feeling better about yourself and and it's very freeing and you talked about that you had some depressive moments in your life with your weight and that sort of thing and now you feel so great and what about your husband that does he intermittent fast or does he just do his own thing or he's a type 2 diabetic um I've managed to get him to do a 13-11, which sounds like nothing, but it's been quite a struggle. I think um, he does monitor his um, insulin and everything every day, and he's quite close to having to inject. Um, it's work in progress. I'm doing my best, but uh, unfortunately the British medical profession isn't recommending um, intermittent fasting for type 2. So we are getting somewhere and and he has lost a little bit of weight so i'm i'm confident we will get there eventually yeah and i think that is changing um hearing more stories about that all the time people with type 2 and using intermittent fasting and and we all know and love sarah cole in new zealand there um sarah's a practice nurse in a medical clinic in auckland new zealand and that particular clinic is uh, one of the world's leaders in treating people um, with intermittent fasting and have type 2 and have got so many case studies of success down there in New Zealand. Uh, Sarah presented to uh, South Island Medical uh, Doctors Conference not long ago and more doctors got on board. Um, in fact, another one of our um, members, they went to see a doctor in New Zealand and the doctor said, right, you need to lose weight. This is what you need to do. It's called intermittent fasting. He wrote it down on a piece of paper for her told her what fasting protocol to do and come back and see him in six months' time. So the wheel is turning, and I think we are hearing more of our doctors and medical community, and nobody sort of gets a shock now when you say you're intermittent fasting, whereas going back three, four years when I started, you know, you still used to get those sort of, wow, what, you're doing what? You're only eating once a day? That's crazy. Who does that? And I remember that was my reaction too when I first came across one meal a day. I thought, what sort of lunatic opens you know, has one meal a day. Nobody does that. And But I was a person that was having 30 meals a day probably, you know, snacks and, and every five <laughs> minutes and drinks. And I think it's so foreign to us, but now we know differently and we've educated ourselves about the benefits of intermittent fasting. And we hear it twice a week on this podcast and dozens and dozens and dozens of, you know, testaments to this lifestyle. We see it in Facebook groups, hundreds and hundreds of people so it's not just one or two people talking about, you know, talking it up and that sort of thing. And I think it is really changing the way doctors do think about it. So, yeah, I'd stick at it there in the UK. I think the wheel is turning. But also, you strike me as a very positive person and how you are now and your mindset. And we know the mental part of this. And you've already mentioned the fasting for you was quite easy. And also the sort of you've got it down pat pretty quick and you're living with it now and you probably don't even think about it. You just go about your day and, and you know you eat in a point in time. So can you give some encouragement to people out there regarding mindset? You know, a lot of people beat themselves up in the group when it comes to Monday that they're mucked up on the weekend or something and they want to do revenge fasting, I call it, these long fasts because they've, they've done something. Can you give some words of wisdom around that? Yeah, I mean... Life happens, you know, you can't just, it, it's been easy for me because we've been in lockdown, and but now we're coming out and social occasions will happen. Um, I had a bit of a wobble around Christmas thinking about, oh, I'll be eating more and I'll have longer windows and I'll put loads of weight on and I'll never get back to it. But 
you know, I didn't put any weight on. I did eat more. I did have longer windows. But once to two days were over, I got straight back onto it. And I think that's what you've got to think. Okay, you're going to eat more. You're going to eat longer. But tomorrow's a new day. Um, just get straight back on your usual routine. Don't beat yourself up about it. It's done. It doesn't really matter. Um, fasting's for life. You've got the whole life to do it. There's no rush. And keep it simple. I, for me, I've never looked into why things are happening. They're happening. And I'm glad they're happening. I don't really need... I did write uh, read the obesity code. I read a load of books when I first started. But I don't need to know that. I just know if I stick with the rules, it works. I feel great. Uh, positive mental attitudes through the roof. Instead of thinking everything's black, now I think everything's great. Um, I can do anything I want. I've got the energy to do most things. There's not much I can't do. Um, and just find out what works for you. Stick for it. If if you go on holiday or you have a social occasion, fine, enjoy it. And then just get straight back onto your normal routine. And that's that's how I've managed. And I think it's just retaining that positive mindset. You know, we talk about loving ourselves first and putting ourselves first in a lot of instances when it comes to our health. Because I think a lot of people that lose sight of their health or they let their health go, they're so busy looking after everyone else, Leslie, and around them. And they forget about themselves. And so when you start thinking about yourself more positively and you have those self-affirmations every day, I mean, when I wake up, I like to tell myself three or four things which, you know, I'm, that I like about myself. And that's not vain or egotistical to do that. It's simply reinforcing that message of loving yourself first. Because once you have that self-love for yourself, everything else around you will fall into place. Your fasting will become easier. The way you relate to people around you will become easier. The more you can give to those people and help others. And speaking of which, you're obviously coming to a point now where you're going to be maintaining. Have you sort of thought about your maintenance plan or are you sort of just going to tweak that as you go along and see how where you settle? Well, I I think I've been maintaining since November. That's how, when I got to that, um, I think it was £136, that was it. To me, I was maintaining. But as I said, I've continued to lose um, without, well, I don't think I've ever lost, tried to lose weight. It's just happened. Um, to me, losing weight is being hungry continually, and that's never happened. Um, but I'm in, I class myself as in maintenance now. Um, I did up my food slightly. Um, it's, it's, I still call it an OMAD, but I've started having my main meal when I break my fast, which is usually around 1pm, because I was finding my snack, having my snack first, I was having too big a snack and then not wanting my main meal. In fact, some days I didn't even have my main meal. And I thought, well, that's silly because I need to eat the main meal rather than the snack. So if I possibly can, and I've managed to cook in time, I eat my main meal at one. And then um, three hours later or something like that, um, I'll have a snack. But as I said on the group the other day, I actually forgot to have my snack, which forget to eat. That's the, It's never happened in my life before. I've forgotten to eat. So that just shows I'm never hungry, really, because if I was hungry, I'd have thought, well, oh, I better have something. And, and I just totally forgot about it. Um, 
but yeah, I, st I know this wouldn't work for everyone. I don't work. I'm retired, so I can do whatever I want. Um, but definitely eating my main meal at one uh, with with the Greek yogurt after. And then the snack is usually some kind of protein. And that's working out well for me. Um, to me, that's my maintenance. And then the Saturday, Saturdays I always have a 16-8, just because I like to eat with my husband and you know we have something that we wouldn't normally have um so sunday i'm always up a pound but by friday i'm way back down again so i don't worry about that and i think that's important too when you do maintain and for me that was an issue because i thought to myself well okay i've got all this weight off now how am i going to keep it off and then i sort of settled into that rhythm i thought well during the week i don't really care how long i fast because i'm working and it doesn't matter to me you know but the weekends, I'm more social and things to do. And, you know, my wife's got to have a life too. And I've got to fit in with her. And, you know, we've got to be able to do things together. And, you know, it's important. And episode one of this podcast is about my wife living with an intermittent faster. For anybody that wants to know what it's like, then go back and listen to that. And Lou explained it very well about how sometimes we were missing out on the social things and different occasions because I was so laser focused. I didn't want to get anything in my way. And, I pulled back from a very, very active social life. I was a big party boy, as I've explained many times. And now on the weekends, I'm the same as you. I like to do that 16 and 8 so I can go down and have a brunch with my wife and sit there at the cafe with friends and family or whatever it may be. And on weekends, maybe sit out in the back deck and have an afternoon you know, feast on a, on a Saturday afternoon. And yeah, sure, your weight is going to be up two or three pounds of water retention come the Monday from the extra volume and all that. But then you go right back to your normal fasting routine. In my case, it's 22 and 2, and then blows it off again by Wednesday. So for me, I'm just sort of staying in that range of 2 to 5 pounds, going up, down, up, down, but staying in that what I call a goal range. And I think that's important when you do maintain, to have that mindset that just to stay in that range. And one of the reasons I weigh every day, Leslie, and we'll get to that in a minute with you, is because I want to be accountable to myself and I don't want to wait till my pants don't do up and find out I'm 15 pounds heavier because it's a lot harder to pull that 15 pounds back than what it is to pull back five when you see it on the scale on a regular basis. So for you, was weighing something you did or that's not something that really interests you? I've always weighed um, every day. Um, if I, I did, when I first started doing intermittent fasting, a few people went, oh, you shouldn't weigh, you shouldn't weigh. And I, I tried the one day and I didn't even get to 11 o'clock in the morning because I was just so fearful of putting weight on with my story and all this yo-yoing you know my biggest fear is putting weight on um so I weigh every morning I get up I wake up go to the bathroom and then I weigh myself and I weigh myself at night because that gives me an indication to what I'm going to be the next morning and it's lovely if you get on and you think oh that's lower than it was last night so, yeah, and I don't think it does any harm. It keeps me accountable. As you said, if I got on every month and I'd put £10 on, I would be devastated. Um, so, yeah, I weigh every day. I'm quite happy to weigh every day. I don't go up there every hour weighing myself. It's just twice a day, morning and night, and I'm happy with that. Yeah, and I fully understand why people don't weigh every day or if the scales mess with their head and that sort of thing and they can't get around that, then that's fine. And we all say, you know, we do us and everyone else does them. And it's important that we don't compare to people, isn't it, Leslie? And comparison is a thief of joy. 
We don't want to be getting on the Facebook groups and looking at pictures of people that lost vast amount of weight quickly or whatever it may be and trying to compare ourselves to them. We've just got to stay in our own world and do our own experiment of one. And I think that's the most important thing on this journey is just to do you for you. Would you agree with that? Sort of your family and friends and that sort of thing. And I know in the UK, things have been pretty tough for you guys with the COVID and the lockdown and everything like that. And you you may not have seen a lot of people in the last year that you normally would see and when you're traveling around freely and that sort of thing. So I guess when you get out of that lockdown, I know I've spoken to Andy Watson and Gary Metcalf in, in the London there. And they have two guys that lost a massive amount of weight. And Ava Brody, I had on the podcast from the UK not long ago, uh, is a Himu. A uh, big shout out to all of them. And they've all said the same thing, that when they come out of lockdown and they go back to their offices and that sort of thing, that it's going to be quite funny where people sort of maybe not even recognize them. I think somebody said they went back in their office the other day and they were wearing a mask and nobody knew who they were. And because um, their hair had changed color, was a lady and she'd got decided to go gray as well. So she went in with the mask on and she'd lost all this weight and people were going, who's that? They didn't even know who she was. So you're looking forward to that, to getting out and seeing more friends and family and that sort of thing after that sort of lockdown? We're all different, you know, and, and what does what's good for one thing isn't good for everyone. Um, an example of that was when I was trying to get the – when I first started intermittent fasting, I was reading about the ADF and mealless Mondays. And my focus then, in all honesty, was to get the weight off. That was what it was all about, getting the weight off. And so I thought, oh, well, I'll try this mealless Monday. And uh, I, I ate uh, my last meal about 6 p.m. on the Sunday. And I woke up on the Monday. And the first thing that went through my head was, you are not going to eat today. You're not going to eat till tomorrow, Tuesday. And I persevered, and it was a horrible day. And I did that for 10 weeks, 10 Mondays. To, and I'd lost I'd lost a pound every time I did it. So it was worth doing it for the weight loss. But uh, after the 10th one, I said to myself, I'm never doing that again, because it was so uncomfortable. Not the hunger, it was just the fact waking up and knowing I wasn't going to eat, I need to eat every day. Even if I just had a 500 calorie meal, which I could have had, but I didn't want to start counting calories and all that. I don't want to do that. And to me, I don't. I think if I had a small meal, I wouldn't have been able to stop myself. I would have just thought, well, I might as well have my proper meal now. So... We're all different ADF. I've introduced quite a few people to intermittent fasting and they all do ADF, not because I've told them that's what to do. That's what they've settled down doing and they're all very successful at it. But it doesn't work for me. I can't do it. It makes me miserable. I don't know what to do with myself. Uh, my focus is food, I'm afraid. Um, so your journey isn't going to be the same as anyone else's. It's just not. And once you find what's right for you, don't let anyone else tell you it's not. That's that's the thing you should do. Yeah, I agree with that. And it has got confusing, I must say, intermittent fasting in terms of when I first came to intermittent fasting, the back end of 2017, I started hearing about it and reading about it and into 2018. And it was a pretty simple process back then. You had a pattern of time where you ate in a day and you were fasting or you were feasting. And that's basically what it was, one meal a day. And, and you and I both know that when you start intermittent fasting, it's important you keep it simple because it is simple. 
And when you start with a simple process of fasting and feasting, and as Leslie said, keep that clean fast, it's paramount in what you're doing. Make that the key of everything you're doing. Nail that first, the clean fast. Then move on to that window, and over time you'll gravitate to that high-quality high food. And sure, if you want to do the longer fast, but don't come to intermittent fasting and start that straight away because you're going to really struggle, and it's going to be hard for you to do that. You've got to get used to fasting first and build up that fasting muscle, as they say, and then maybe move into that. And we've heard Rachel Awad, an expert on alternate day fasting, uh, episode six of this podcast, give a very, very clear explanation of the whys, the rights and wrongs of alternate day fasting. And I think it has some great benefits. Don't get me wrong. And I fully support people doing it, but do it for the right reason. So if you're interested, go and listen to Rachel. If you want to listen about the Mealless Monday and do that correctly, we had Roxy Marino, who leads that in the Delay Don't Deny community. And Roxy was on this podcast. Uh, look her up. And she gave a great explanation of what Mealless Monday was about. But in essence, when you start, it's important to keep this simple. And I think you would agree with that, Leslie. Definitely, definitely. I still keep it simple. Um, we're all different. We all need to know different things. But when you start off, just focus on the clean fasting. Keep it simple. I think 16-8 is a brilliant place to start because you're just missing one meal, basically. You can either miss your evening meal or your breakfast, but you're just missing a one meal. Um, but, I mean, the thing that gets me now is, if I like, my tummy's a bit rumbly at the moment, but just keep busy. If I know in the morning that's my busiest time, and I keep busy, and I don't even think about it, really. Um, the other thing that is one of my um, suggestions, when, when you've been fasting a while, is I don't actually track my fast time. I, I track my eating time, and I think that... Um, is a lot easier for my life because I'm not sat there thinking, oh, it's nearly one o'clock. I do my jobs, I have my shower, my meal's ready, and then I start and I look at the clock as I'm starting and then I know basically I've got about three hours. If I want my snack, I have my snack and then it's done, I'm finished with. Um, so you don't have to check your actual fasting hours. You can just check track your eating hours. It's no difference. If you think of it logically, it makes absolutely no difference. And I did find that was easier for me. Well, the very first day I heard about intermittent fasting, as I said, I'd never even heard that term before. Um, I downloaded um, Delay Don't Deny and I applied to join uh, the, the Delay Don't Deny Facebook. This was before you got your Facebook going, Facebook group going. Um, and I remember the chart at the top of the Delay Don't Deny and that told you everything you needed to know, what you can't have, what you can have and the grey areas. And then I started listening to the podcasts and I was involved with the Facebook groups and then you came along and I'd already noticed you in Jin's groups and I started following you. But it, for me, there is no one in my life that is doing intermittent fasting. I don't have any physical presence of anyone doing it. And I, I, did, I started from scratch. I didn't know a single thing about it. So it was absolute essential for me. Um, the podcast now, I love to listen to the podcast. I've, I've uh, reined in a few that I was listening to because they weren't going along the tracks that I'm doing. 
I'm, I'm not really into the science and all that. It, it doesn't interest me. I'm, I appreciate it's a bit important, but for me, it's not. Um, I like to hear the stories because you can always, or no matter who the story is and where the person lives and how old they are, you can always find something that is similar to what you've been through. Um, so, yeah, to me, they're, they're still essential because it's the only contact I have with the... And also, I think that when you do see that there is a tribe of people around there, you know, in our Facebook group, The Fasting Highway, we've got people from every corner of the world in there. You know, America, UK, South Africa, New Zealand, Australia. But we all have a common bond in that we're seeking that autopilot wellness that we all want. And I think everybody is supportive in there. And we've got some of the most experienced fasters in the world in that group now. And I think it's just so great how everybody does help each other. And I think if you're looking for support, and you don't really know anybody else that's doing it or you're copping a bit of flack from people, it's a good place to go and have a look. But, Lizzie, I can't tell you what a pleasure it's been to have you here today. And I thank you for being a shining light in this community and the support that you give people. And so thank you for joining me here on the Fasting Highway today. Can I just say, Graham, thank you for all your support um, on the group and podcasts. Uh, you it's very easy to listen to you um, and it, you're a great help to so many thousands of people. Oh, thank you so much. That sort of feedback's much appreciated. And um... Oh, thank you so much, Leslie, for coming on the podcast. That was fantastic. Really enjoyed chatting with you. And I think you gave a great testament to what it's like to live an intermittent fasting lifestyle. So thank you so much for everything that you shared there. I'm sure people are going to get a lot of inspiration and motivation from it. So thank you. So coming up next week on the podcast, I'm going to be speaking with Christy Conn. And Christy has a fantastic story. And don't miss that one. That's coming up next on the podcast, Christy Conn. Also, just a big shout out to those that have been buying my book, The Fasting Highway, about my own journey on Amazon. You can get it there in both paperback and Kindle. Uh, thank you. It really means a lot. And thank you for all the messages and kind reviews. So anyway, until next week, be well, be safe. And remember, clean fasting is everlasting.